Friends and folks, I'm Six Detmar from Scanline Media. And I'm Jennifer Uncle from Scanline Media. And we're here to talk about the hottest in video game releases. It's it's the scan spot. It's the scans. <laughs> Welcome to the scan. Oh, brown, wow. That's the sound of you being scanned. Visceral Your rating, gameplay. not cool enough. <laughs> oh, thumbs down. Um, okay, okay. We're actually here to talk about uh, the Insomniac game Marvel's Spider-Man, the 2018 release for the PlayStation 4 computer entertainment system. Yeah, and it's it's worth noting that the words Marvel's Spider-Man are nowhere on the box. It just says it just says the Marvel logo above and then Spider-Man below. But for whatever reason, the proper copy way to say it is Marvel's Spider-Man. Well, the Marvels is silent. <laughs> I suppose so. It's French. Um, so we have both played this game to its uh, story completion. Um, I have not finished all the side stuff. I think you're pretty close to 100%ing it, though, right? Oh, yeah. I've technically already 100%ed it. Um, I don't have all of the weapon um, modifications unlocked, but it still gives you 100% after you do all the missions and uh, challenges. Hmm. Um, so we are we are in a great position to talk about this game, which uh, you know I wanna I wanna give a quick shout out actually uh, Heather Alexandra's piece Spider Man's take on police feels out of touch uh, because until that piece came out two days ago I was like are we gonna be the only people who are like releasing a full on piece of criticism about Spider Man who are gonna be like hey this game fucks a lot of shit up real bad. <laughs> I feel like there's been a number of places that have done that. Like, um, I I saw an article on Deadspin, which is a usually a sports website, but they talk about politics too sometimes. But they uh, they mentioned you know it really sucks that Spider Man's a cop in this game. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fair. It, it could just be my my so the my the way the the media I choose to look at. But for the most part, it seemed like what I was seeing was a lot of people who are within, you know, games press being like, this game's incredible. And a lot of people who are in games, like, culture, but not in games press itself, being like, this game is toxic. Um, and I feel like there's a medium there that not a lot of people seem willing to discuss. Um, and I want to discuss it. And I think you do, too. Yeah, totally. I do not hate this game at all. Far from it. It's... It nails the swinging to a degree that, well, there is one criticism, but it's not entirely mine. Um, I had a carry my I had my friend carry over for um, to play it a little bit of it um, yesterday, and she mentioned that in Spider Man Two you could do this thing where if you got it, if you jump from a high enough building you could get this sort of velocity that would make your web swinging incredibly fast if you kept up the momentum there's kind of a limit to your momentum in this game mm-hmm. when there wasn't in the pre- in Spider-Man 2 which is the 
which most people consider to be the gold standard for Spider-Man games, at least until this point. Yeah, there's there's definitely like a speed cap that you can hit, and it's it increases with levels because every couple of levels you will get like a like a sweet uh, speed uh, swing speed plus five percent or whatever, but that is like your hard limit. Um, but I feel like that's kind of offset by the um, the variety of options. But I actually would rather let's do a lot of gameplay discussion sort of in the middle. Because I feel like most of like there have been critic there has been criticism as you pointed out more than more than I've given it credit for talking about the game's politics, but there's been no end of criticism talking about how this game plays and how great it is. So I kind of want that in the middle, I like to break up us talking about the game's politics, because I don't want people to have to listen to I don't know how many minutes before we get into let's say the meat of of the podcast, you know. That's fair. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a story being told first and foremost mm-hmm. above all else. How did you find that story? It was pretty affecting towards the end. Like, uh, it gets into some really dark territory with um, severe medical illnesses and um, choices that are putting with great power comes great responsibility, even. At an even larger scale than it typically is in a Spider-Man story. And I feel like for the most part, a lot of the performances were really good too. Like, um, Yuri Lowenthal's basically doing his Yuri Lowenthal voice as Spider-Man, but I thought the person who played uh, Otto specifically, uh, William Sailors, uh, did a fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah. He really, I mean, it's so, it was so weird hearing all this stuff about like, like, Oh, they're like, you know, Spider-Man's coming out and there's a embargo on saying the phrase Dr. Octopus. It's like, what are you (laughs) doing? Um, and like, I think that was a bad call and they handled it badly, but like, it does hint at what they were trying to do in the game, which is they actually wanted to sell you on how people become villains in the Spider-Man universe. And I think they do an okay job of it. I think there are parts of it, like especially with with Doctor Octopus, where it feels or or Otto Octavius, if you prefer, um, his you know his his Christian name, um, you know Octavius, noted noted you know Israeli name, uh, <laughs> much like it, it it felt a lot more compelling and sympathetic. And then there's there's the part where then it's like oh and now it's villain time, um, and I would say that's the first big problem with the game's messaging that I want to get into is sort of like there's this like once you're a villain you're just a villain and like you know Spider-Man's trying to redeem you or whatever but it's like when Dr. Octavius you you discover uh his his like his hideout late in the game and it's like before he he fully made the jump into being a villain and he's, it's sort of where he's, you're like, oh, he's got all these plans and here's what he's going to do with this person, with this person. And here's his like map of the city and how, where he's going to do stuff. And you also find recordings of him talking and being like, gosh, I really feel like this is, this is a lot. I'm going pretty far, but this has to be done and it's the right thing to do. And maybe it seems greedy, but it's justice, right? Yeah, it, it's a late game mirroring of the same thing you see from, uh, uh, blanking on his name. Uh, Martin Lee? Yeah, Martin Lee. Because um, you find a journal from his that basically is like, 
I've built up so much in this area, and to leave it all behind feels like a waste, but this is my only chance. But this is the point where you get to see the jump that Spider-Man makes with with these characters over and over, where it's like he's talking about, like, oh, this is really hard, but I think this is the right thing to do, and he's like, I gotta get these these villains to work with me, but, you know, like, I, I gotta be careful, because they're dangerous. And he's like, we'll just have to be some kind of team. We'll be a sinister six. And you're like, <laughs> if you think you're doing the right thing, why are you calling yourself sinister? Like, what? Yeah, it, it does a really bad job of delineating exactly how much or in which ways the the arms are affecting him, because in all Spider-Man stories, it's basically implied that, um, or at least more of the modern ones, um, the arms have AI of their own that can, if handled improperly, can influence someone's mind and change their personality, and, um, they, the way that they show the stuff initially makes it seem like, oh, okay, it's happening, he took this turn because of the one scene where you see him fully plugged in, but... Once you get to the audio logs, it's like, oh no, he's been planning this for a while. And as soon as the whole Martin Lee thing went off, he's like, okay, I can go ahead and move forward on Sinister, Sinister Six. And it's like, uh, this doesn't seem like, this doesn't seem like it's doing the whole character arc that until now you've done so well justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like it's, yeah, as I say, it's a, it's a big problem of Spider-Man's, which is just sort of, it has this idea of like, once you start doing bad things, you just, like, you stop making sense as a person, right? Like, walking up to the edge, like, it, it talks about and, and explores to some extent. It's still a, it's still a, a comic, right? Um, but explores to some extent what would drive a person to wanting to do something, like, bad, right? Um, like, Otto is really just, he's, he feels like he's been beaten down by Norman Osborn his whole life. Uh, Martin Lee feels very similarly. Um, you see, like, some stuff with petty crime, but not as much as I would like. Um, but then it's like, oh, okay, once you make that jump, you're just this cartoon evil person who doesn't make sense anymore and who just loves evil. Yeah, it's... And it's frustrating, too, because what Norman Osborn does in this game is so incredibly fucked up. He's He's making a... He made what... Even though it was intended to be something that was a cure for his son it he ended up creating one of the most effective um biological viruses he possibly could and just kept it there and i feel like at some point it's okay to be like no fuck norman osborne we have to strike against him but not in this way yeah and it's 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 like i feel like the the game doesn't like i don't know it's, they have to make everyone a villain that Spider-Man can fight, right? And so, like, Martin Lee's whole thing is like, okay, like, Norman Osborn was, was reckless and careless and got my parents killed, and so I'm going to blow up New York, uh, and that'll show him, um, which doesn't really... It's, it's sort of, I guess there are a, there are a couple of elements to it. One is, if, if these people who hated Norman Osborn so much, if their actual motivation was, let me just kill him, this would be a really hard game to make, because one of them would just do it, and then the game would be over. Because they get so many opportunities to kill him. <laughs> yeah, they have that whole thing during the campaign speech, 
he could have just easily done it, but the whole he even had a suicide bomber that was right there, and but no, the whole thing seems to be. Well, I guess at that point they were trying to take him out, and the police officer you've been working with, uh, Thomas Jefferson, ends up pushing the suicide bomber out of the way and sacrificing his own life. But after that, Martin Lee's whole thing seems to be, okay, no, next plan, I'm just going to embarrass him and then destroy the city. That's a- that sounds like more fun. And, like, he has the power to mind control people and he can't get it done? Like, here's, here's a, like, I, I hate to, you know, I don't want to be like a, a Cinema Sins asshole over here, but like, here's a tip, Martin. Mind control his bodyguard and have him shoot him. Wow, that took five minutes. You can go home now. <laughs> he already freaking did that at the campaign speech, too. <laughs> just like his bodyguard got right. mind control. You're right. <laughs> uh, his, I, Martin Lee as a character, I really like how they establish him at first, and then it just makes no sense. Like, his, his motivations compared to his actions don't make a lot of sense. They have this whole, like, like, oh, Martin, you must have, like, this alternate personality, and you only know that because people tell you? There's not really, you know, he never, like, talks about there being another him or anything. It's just sort of, like, sometimes he's a dickhead. Um, and they also, like, his powers are because he got injected with CRISPR, and they gave him negative powers? Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's... The negative powers are just there's a there's a lot of weird orientalism stuff going on with Martin Lee and Mr. Yeah. Like the way that you find all this stuff out at first, like the initial thread you get is Mary Jane breaking into well, coming to a Wilson Fisk uh, art gallery beforehand and all of his collection comes from um China and Japan and they talk about forces. They talk about the negative forces and stuff like that. And all of his henchmen wear these masks that are, are supposed to symbolize death. I think. Uh, they're they're demons. That's why the yeah perfect, demons yeah. yeah demons the thing that is inscribed in all of them. And yeah, there's just this. It feels very racially coded in a very uncomfortable way and, and badly racially coded because it's like okay so. It's this mix, like, the artifacts are a mix of, like, Japanese and Chinese. They all speak Chinese, but they, a lot of them wield katanas, and it's just like, except for some of them, some of them wield fucking, uh, tai chi swords, and it's like, what are you, what are you going for? I feel like they're mostly going for Chinese, but there's just some Japanese tossed in there for variety, and it's weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm gonna be mean to a specific writer for a second. Dan Slott was one of the people who wrote this game, and Dan Slott, if you follow, if you follow some of the comic critique that's been happening, it's not as much in my wheelhouse as anything else, but, um, Dan Slott has a reputation for being kind of bad when it comes to this sort of stuff. Like, hmm. he's one of the main people who came up with naming Miles Morales' dad Jefferson Davis, and, uh, yeah. Hmm. Which is incredibly, <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to e- even explain that? Or I, I think you're good. I think I, yeah. d- I think I don't want to get into it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think Dan Slott's going to be listening to this, but yeah, I'm not exactly his biggest fan. 
and like the whole like the whole like Mister Negative. Listen, as far as names go, at, on on its face, it's like his name's Mister Negative, and he turns like a, a negative inverse of his colors. That's kind of fun. Like that's stupid, yeah. but that feels fun. But then you're like, oh no, it's because he's the yang to his normal yin, and you're like, no, 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 stop. <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. The, the mind control powers are also really. They're really weirdly represented because they almost get Spider-Man twice with it, and it's all representative is him swinging through a Scarecrow-esque crumbling buildings floating in outer space until he regains control. And he doesn't seem to actually be under their control at any point during that, but that's supposed to be his element of fighting it off, and it's really hokey in practice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it's just an opportunity for Martin Lee to explain himself multiple times to Spider-Man. And I was like, okay, they're doing this so they can do, like, big me- visual metaphors of how his powers work. And I was like, this is dumb, but this whole game feels very PS2. I guess that's fine. And then the last fight with him, you're not in the fucking, you know, headspace. You're just in the real world, and he just manifests a big ghost demon. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a dragon, too. Uh, it's... Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I I think all the stuff with, with, with Mr. Negative and Martin Lee is like, there are a few elements here that, I'm sorry, a better writer could have done more with. I think there are some fun things in the concept. I think having this guy who was like, yeah, like running a homeless shelter and seemed like a genuinely good dude, but just has such a chip on his shoulder that he lets it get away from him. Um, I thought that part was kind of compelling. Yeah, it's the way that yeah the way that they handle that stuff is pretty good sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't know. I liked the idea that he's he. Well, that was the other thing. He seemed to be very protective of Feast and Aunt May, but as soon as Peter got into his office, he was like, "Oh fuck this kid! Gonna fucking kill him." <laughs> Using homeless people, which which is the game's excuse to let you beat up some homeless people for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's no good. Um, and it's 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 yeah, it is weird because there is that moment of like of that cutscene where where he's like he knows that Peter went into his office and he's like, and and, and so they're both kind of talking around it because May's there and Peter's like, when are you gonna be done with your business? And he's like, when it's done. Trust me, no one will get you won't get hurt. No one here will get hurt unless there's somewhere they shouldn't be. And it feels like the right level of like a person who is clearly like, you know, he's, he's going for the revenge, but he's like trying to make sure the people he cares about don't ca- get caught up in it. But then, yeah, as you say, he like Peter steps outside and he mind controls some random people to just start punching him. And it's like, uh, wh- why? Yeah, how did you feel about the Feast stuff in general? When I talked about that with you last time, you thought it was pretty well executed. I I mean, I thought it was well executed compared to how games normally are, I guess. Like, I think it's got some problems, and, like, it's got some specific instances where you're like, ooh, yikes. But in general, it feels like they treat the homeless with more respect than most games, where in most games, like, homeless people are either non-existent or a joke. Um... And in this, there are some, like, portrayals where, but for the most part, like, you'll walk around feast and people will just be like, oh, hey, how's it going, Peter? And you're like, oh, not bad, how are you? And they're like, oh, fine. They treat them more like normal people, 
than maybe any other game I've played, and I really appreciated that part of it. Yeah, it was it was pretty well done in that regard anyway. Um, it does feel like some of it gets weirdly heavy-handed or doesn't really know what it wants to say sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. there, there was that interesting thing where one, one of the people you end up rescuing... I mean, one of the people you end up stopping early on ends up going to the shelter and having a better life, but that also seems like a weird moralizing situation where it's like, oh, if people down on their luck just do the right thing, then they'll succeed. Yeah. And, yeah, yes. it's it's really awkward at points. Uh, so let's let's hit on the big one, and then we can talk about gameplay for a bit and be nice. Um, why does this game jerk off to cops so much? Yeah, like, it's very much a Blue Lives Matter story in more than a few ways, because basically the way that you end up meeting Miles in the first place is you're helping his father, Jefferson Davis, out on a sting, and you kind of have some pretty good banter between the two of you, um... Since you're vigilante, Jefferson gets most of the credit, and uh, Norman seizing an opportunity for his campaigns. Like, hey, I'll give you a medal if you come to my uh, if you come to my campaign speech and stuff. And the way lots of that ends up, the way the story ends up moving forward with Miles is Jefferson Davis, as mentioned earlier, ends up pushing a um, suicide bomber away at the last minute and dies in the process. And Miles, feeling pretty broken, ends up taking an, a job with Feast after um, Peter suggests it to Aunt May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Like, the individual, like, cop characters, it feels like the game is, like, I guess, fine about. Like, as characters, they're not very interesting, but they're fine. Like, Yuri is, like, okay, she's the voice on the radio, and sometimes she is unamused by Spider-Man in a way that is useful, because Spider-Man is kind of relentless and obnoxious. Um, and then, yeah, Jefferson Davis is just kind of like a generic hero figure there to get killed. Um, and it's like, those aren't on their face, I don't think they're ridiculously offensive. But, like, Setting even aside Spider-Man's personal history with the police, which as a character, Spider-Man is a character who has always been pursued by the police. He's always been, like, his actions have been illegal. He has been shot by the police. He's been thrown in jail. He's been framed by the police. Um, Even setting aside that part, you cannot in 2018 expect me to think the NY fucking PD are the good guys. Yeah, and you're out there setting up this game's form of of Assassin's Creed towers that give you icons in the map and progress the story, or just fill out the map in general, is activating surveillance towers that were developed by Oscorp and deployed by the NYPD. So the way you get forward in that game is helping the police spy on people. It's it's really it's really tone deaf. Um, yeah, and the whole time he's cracking jokes about how he's Spider Cop doing a whole hard-boiled detective voice. Even Yuri's like, cut the fuck out, man. <laughs> but uh, It's like, yeah, no, yeah. You, you are Spider Cop. That's correct. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's no... 
there's no awareness at all that what they're saying is that the situation that they've set up is incredibly fucked up. Like, while this, after this came out on Friday, people were like, oh, this mission type is really bad, but I'm sure at some points they'll reveal something to be like, oh yeah, what you were doing was wrong, Spider-Man. But no, it's treated as the right thing the whole time. Yeah, even no. when Oscorp, even when Oscorp's revealed to be developers of biological weapons and shit. Yeah, no, that's just Norman. Norman's the only person. Listen, you don't want to. You don't put the Nazis on trial. It's just Hitler. Hitler's the only one. Well, I guess I look. I just already invoked the law. I already got one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, uh... But yeah, just this this idea that like you can pin it all on Norman and specifically you can pin it all on Norman because they're like, because they wanted to tease the green goblin for their second game. It's just, it's just real bad. Um, and we'll have a lot more to say to say about it, but let's talk about some gameplay. (laughs) Okay. Let's see that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how much mood whiplash I can fit into one podcast. Yeah, the swinging is really good, and they they do some smart stuff varying the ways that you can traverse. Like, aside from swinging, you can do this thing called web zipping, where if you hit L2 and R2 on the corner of a building or lamppost or anything like that, you zip directly to something, and if you time it right when you're trying to get somewhere, you can leap off it and get even more speed, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, uh, the traversal's really fun, and as you say, there's like a speed cap to it, but I, I also can see why there's a speed cap, because they have missions where you have to chase things, and if it was like Spider-Man 2, and if you were just good enough, you could just break the speed cap, I could see how that would break the game, you know? Yeah, that's very true. Uh, and yeah, so you can like zip to points and like rebound off of them, you get, uh, eventually an ability to like, if you land... Uh, in the middle of like swinging, you can like recover and leap out of it. Uh, you gain an ability to charge your jump, though it's not as useful as it was in Spider-Man 2. Um, you have the web zips, where you sort of grab a single point and haul yourself forward. Um, there are, I guess, there are two disappointments for me with um, with Spider-Man, and I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say up front, one of them I think is fair, and one of them is probably unfair. Um, the fair one is that you unlock an ability to do tricks, and they're just lame and pointless. Um, they're supposed to, like, give you XP, but they give you, like, 2 XP, whereas, like, beating one enemy gives you, like, 20, so they're just completely useless, um, and also the animations aren't them, on them aren't even that fun, it's just sort of like, oh, you're just sort of spinning. Um, and then the other complaint, which is maybe the unfair one, is that this is the team that brought you Sunset Overdrive, and part of your new costume is some fancy new shoes, and I was sure at some point I was going to get the ability to grind. They even show you grinding at the beginning of this costume reveal. Like, he's sliding down a building, and there's there's a bit of an awning there with um, small rails, and he uses, he uses them to grind almost Sonic Adventure style. And it was like, oh yeah, this thing has... This thing has knockoff soap shoes in it. It's going to be great. And nope. <laughs> never let you do that in the game. And they never do it in another cutscene. So what's the point? Maybe it was a discarded idea or something. I don't know. Um, I think that would have yeah. been fun. I don't know. I, I feel like they have a good kit of movement options. But as you get used to them, you keep wanting... You know, they roll them out in a steady enough fashion where you want more and more and more. Um, and 
they were they were successful in making me want more. Um, how did you feel about the combat? Combat was mostly serviceable. It's Arkham combat. It there's there's very few ways you can mess that up. Um, at times, I think. I think the way where it started to fall apart was when they started introducing uh, Sable Guards, which um, some of them randomly have armor, which means you can't you can't um, web them unless you throw something at them or mm-hmm. punch them real good. <laughs> and, um, yeah, at some point you unlock the ability to execute two people in a row, and um, it feels like it was made to compensate for the armored sable guards because every time I would just beat up on the other people and then once I had that I would just take out two armored sable people in a row. Mm-hmm. It especially started to feel like like I feel like the way encounters were designed, especially towards the end, you started to have a kind of I'm gonna compare it to uh, a Shadows of Mordor problem. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever got this in Shadows of Mordor, but you would get like situations where um, the way a, a nemesis has accumulated abilities. It's like, okay, this nemesis has a shield, so you can't like vault over them, and they can't attack them from the front, and they're immune to fire, and they're immune to swords, and they're immune... To, and it's like this combination where it's like, okay, it turns out the only effective way to damage this person is like to shoot barrels onto their head. Because like there's there's they're immune to every other source of damage in the game, and this isn't obviously the same thing. But you get encounters near the end of Spider-Man where it's like, okay, there's a guy who has whips in this fight, so I can't jump or he'll just drag me to the ground. Um, there's a guy with a sword, so if I'm not constantly dodging him, he'll knock me out of whatever I do. There's a guy with a gun, so if I try and focus on the melee dudes, he'll shoot me in the back. There's a guy throwing grenades, so if I don't pay attention to him at all, he's going to throw grenades at me. And it's just like, it starts to feel like there's no right answer. Yeah, and there are times when the way that the way that combat order works completely breaks, because later on when you're... So when I finished all the campaign stuff, I ended up focusing on completing the crimes, and a lot of the time when Sable was involved on the ground, they would eventually send in another truck with the same turrets, and at some point they stopped doing the whole one-at-a-time order when shooting at me and stuff, and three or four people would shoot at me at once or come at me, and it became unmanageable. Like, sometimes I'd just be like, well, I'm not winning this one, and just let myself die. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's really or just like fights got so dragged out, especially again against Sable. I think most parts of the combat are aggravated by Sable because they're the, the end game enemy, and they're just more obnoxious than the rest. Um, but where it was like you have to do this um, an outpost, and it's like oh I've got to I've got to stealth this outpost, and you get to the last guard, and you're detected, and it's like I I have the option of fighting my way out of this. That will take fifteen minutes. I'm going to restart. It will be faster to start this whole thing from the beginning than deal with the consequences of being spotted by the very last enemy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was supposed to be the section where we were really paused. <laughs> it's... Well, mechanically, I think the, thing it, the big thing it has going for it is the swinging. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's the main thing you do in a Spider-Man game. So, mm-hmm. that part's alright. And... 
And then when it asks you to do stealth stuff, it's not so great. Yeah, I. it was really strange how many, like, you got get to the point in the game where it feels like just about every other mission has you switching to control, switching control to a different character, either MJ or Miles, um, to do a stealth mission where you're using their unique tools, where, like, uh, MJ has, like, spider distractors that Spider-Man gave her, so it's not even something that she has, which is obnoxious. If you're trying to make it like, hey, look, MJ can do stuff too, don't make it based on a thing that Spider-Man handed to her. Um, and then Miles, for some reason, just has a universal hacking app on his phone. There's like a line, a throwaway line where he meets Spider-Man for the first time and he's walking away. His friend's like, yo, did you show him our hacking app? And he was like, oh, I forgot. And then he just starts hacking everything. <laughs> yeah. And they use that, they use the one of the few stealth sections as Miles to hammer home the idea of um, Sable turning the town into a police state more or less um and uh after that it's never really mentioned again and it's never another it's never an issue again it feels like so it feels like there were sort of two steps to the way they treated sable in this game it feels like in conception sable was supposed to be the cops yeah um and then like pretty early on they were like okay we can't put out a game where we portray the cops in this bad of a light so like before before they'd gotten too far in um, and they're like, okay, it'll be a PMC that's doing law enforcement. And then there was, it feels like, a second step where they were like, and we're going to like expressly have the game call them fascists. Like, Spider-Man has quips where he's like, so, did you dream of being a fascist when you were a kid? Um, and then, like, they cut those out of the story. So, like, they're in the side content because, like, you'll do, like... They're con- they're treated like one of the gangs. Like they have you know hideouts and stuff that you take over, where they have like random civilians locked up in cages. Um, but like the main game itself, it, like sort of ends on the note of like, oh, they're not so bad. Look at Silver Sable; she's a good lady. And, like, no, she's fucking not. Yeah, she's just like you know, you saving, uh, you showing mercy to Martin Lee and. Dr. Octopus really got me thinking. I'm going to go home and just think about some stuff. But my guards aren't because they're still getting paid. What are you going to do, eh, Spider-Man? And uh, he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Damn, it do be like that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, just her alone could probably execute all of Sable because she's this godlike figure with two handguns and pretty much can... Pretty much can get through any fight as the person on top, especially against Spider-Man. So, yeah, it seems like if she really wanted to, they could probably she could probably kick their ass. Yeah, she's got a responsibility, Jen, to go home and think. <laughs> it's when you realize that the world is evil and that there's you know bad things around you and you could do something about it. The irresponsible thing would be to run off and do it. You've got to go think things through. Yeah. Um Yeah, so that was that was one of my other big criticisms is is the like just the just just make them the SWAT. Just make, just them, make them ice. Or ice, ice. Yeah, that would be good yeah, too. Yeah, you you could do the whole story like 
okay, these people, you could, you could get into this, you could make fun of the whole reactionary thing because the J. Jonah Jameson with his radio show is already there and be like, have some sort of speech by Osborne talking about, um, illegal immigrants invading the country and stuff like that. And we're going to have ice round people up. And that's basically what's going on The with Sable. Sable, if it wasn't for PMC, you could just change the label from PMC to ice and it would be, I could buy a situation where ice gets so much funding that they have giant security towers and machine guns and things like that. I mean, they kind of already have, giant security towers and machine guns yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, they they got 10 million dollars that was supposed to go towards hurricane relief recently which real great if you really if you really wanted to say something have it be like fucking like the president talked to tony stark and had him give ice the hookup because tony stark absolutely fucking would um but yeah. I'm I'm back I'm back backseat developing at this point, and I should knock it off. <laughs> um, the other thing that we should talk about is it's it's again this is ties into that idea before of like how once you go evil, you're just an evil person and you become a different category of person because uh, there is a segment pretty late in the game where there is a breakout at Rikers Island. Um. Oof, yeah. And there's a lot wrong with this section. Um, I mean, first off, there's the fact that just like, okay, you go to Rikers Island, and all the inmates are, are running loose, and everyone you see is trying to kill you. Because, of course, no one is in jail without being, you know, like, either a murderer or just an aspirational murderer. There's no one in jail who isn't trying to kill Spider-Man, of course. Um... And, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to tell you folks, but just, just saying it once, it's like, most of the people in Rikers are there for nonviolent crimes. A lot of them are there without having been convicted of anything because they're being held for a long time for a trial that they very well might win. Um, so there's that part. And then there's just like, the whole the whole thing where it's like oh no they're just they're just going berserk they're just these crazed criminals trying to trying to murder and they're just like vocally talking about how excited they are to be able to kill people and like also there's they do a they do a really ineffective lamp shading where there's a point where like your your police contact Yuri is like oh they got into the armory they've got rocket launchers and Spider-Man's like why would you have rocket launchers here and it's like, no, that's a good... Fu- don't ask that question, game, because that's a good fucking... Qu- Why the fuck would you have <laughs> rocket launchers at a prison, you psychos? Yeah, and they never explain it. <laughs> it's just... It's... Uh. And, the, and the also, there's, uh, like, some stuff that comes up via via Jameson's podcasts. Um, the weirdest thing this game did, to me, is that sometimes Jameson is right. I feel like that was on purpose. Like that, I think that getting into some of Marvel's more neo-reactionary tendencies, um, he was clearly set up as the Bill O'Reilly figure. Who, since both Jameson and O'Reilly ended up leaving their posts at their respective organizations and set up a internet show, and I don't agree with Bill O'Reilly on things though. I agree. Yeah, with, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That's what I'm saying. This is Marvel's perspective. This is the writer's perspective. Like, huh. they're 
this is centrism, essentially. Because <laughs> they're, they're like, oh yeah, even this person sometimes has good ideas and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, this is, this seems like a really questionable choice. Like, I know that, I know that Jameson is supposed to be likable in spite of himself because he's very cartoonish in his assholishness. Like, at some point when he's interviewing someone and the person ends up saying good things about Spider-Man, even though the guest was brought on to shame Spider-Man, Jameson starts screaming at his uh, intern being like, cut commercial, fire yourself, rehire yourself after commercial, you're lucky... If I was paying you, you, I would give you a pay cut. And it's, it's very much done in that very entertaining, cartoonish, barking way that he runs a, he used to run a very mismanaged Daily Bugle. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, then he also gets into weird discussions like, why don't we just kill all the inmates? That seems like a better use of taxpayer dollars and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's it's this weird needle that they try to thread that only makes sense if you're a centrist. Yeah, and there's like there there but there is parts where I agree with him and I don't think I'm supposed to, right? Like there's a part where you uh capture Shocker early on and you have this fight in a in a inside a bank and like Jameson's like, "Man, Spider-Man fucked things up again. What a like what a what an asshole." fucking, like, could have done this cleanly, but dropped the bank ceiling on him. It's like, no, why, yeah, why the fuck did he do that, actually? Actually, why was yeah. that the solution? Um, I, like, I actually agree with Jameson in a way that I don't think they wanted me to, that, that Spider-Man's disregard for destruction of public, like, of, of anything but human, he's like, well, human life matters the most. Anything else matters nothing at all. Let me drop the Empire State Building on a petty criminal to stop him. Like, fucking... No. Stop. You're super destructive in a way that is fucked up. Yeah. It's... He definitely... There are definitely times when it feels like you're doing way too much collateral damage Man of Steel style. Like, uh... I feel like for the most part this version... This game's version of the... Subway fight, which every Spider-Man piece of media seems to have, was sort of okay. But uh, also, you kind of fuck up the subway cars a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, it's just one of those things where the thing with Spider-Man is he's supposed to be someone who lives here too. Like, he's, he's supposed to be the down-on-his-luck New Yorker who has to deal with the city's bullshit just as much as anyone else. Like, um... One of the big things in the game is you end up not paying your you, you end up not being able to pay your rent for so long that you're you get evicted and you have to go scrounging through a um through one of the dumpster trucks to get your stuff back and th- that Spider-Man basically being like oh yeah so much for this tra- subway train feels kind of unrealistic in a way yeah i feel like that's that's part of the problem is that they show that they can do things with spider-man that genuinely resonate like there's there's a whole segment of the game which is the research stations which are mostly optional i think you have to do one or two um but it's just like spider well peter parker slash spider-man the the line is kind of blurred on this one but being like okay let me do public work projects like 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 help out with the water pressure in a building or like get deliver like 
you know, antibacterial medicine to fish because our water supply is getting poisoned or like track air quality. And it's like, yes, this is this is why the phrase friendly neighborhood Spider-Man exists, because it's not just like, oh, he's there to, you know, this the classic superhero thing of just like, oh, he's here to beat up the strong guys and then like fucking whatever. Like he cares about the area. And that's the side of Spider-Man and this game that really connects is when he's just doing little things like like oh the like the cell towers in this area are screwed up let me just clear this up so people have better cell signals like yes yeah even if the cell phone thing is dumb um, (laughs) yeah it's it's orchestrated in a really ridiculous way where there's there's like this signal that goes up and down, and if you end up falling below, you take a bunch of damage and die for whatever reason. No, it's because the the equipment in his eyes is so sensitive that if he's in a ba- in an area with bad reception, he gets murdered. <laughs> That's actually <laughs> the explanation. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's such a it's such a mess, and like it is like actually such a mess, right? Sometimes people talk about a mess. In the terms of just like, how did so many things go wrong? A lot of things go right with this game. I like this game. It's all over the place. Yeah. Uh, like, they really shouldn't have made so many crimes you need to complete because drawing attention to how repetitive they are and how Spider-Man has the same three to five quips for each one really drags things down in a disappointing way. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get that it's an open world and it's going to have repetition and stuff like that, but I feel like if you are making a game with that in mind, then making a situation where it's like, okay, do 25 to 30 different crimes in each district of this game is really pushing things. Yeah, I... I... I don't know. I I hope, and the my biggest worry right now is so we're absolutely going to get Spider Man two, um, a Marvel Spider Man two. Excuse me. I'm not talking about the classic film by Tommy Toby McGuire. <laughs> love it, love it. Hey, that he stole that guy's pizza. Um, and I really hope they are looking for criticism and taking it to heart because it would be so easy for them to just read reviews from big game sites being like this game is so fun to play it's great the you know it looks pretty what what a great love letter to spider-man and just be like okay more of the same because i think they could make the you know make the obvious sequel to this game and it would do amazingly i mean like uh both from you know like reports on twitter and buzz and games press and also as a person who works in a retail store and walks by electronics real often, this game is doing incredibly well. But I yeah. really hope they're looking for criticism and taking it to heart and are and want to make a friendlier Spider-Man. Yeah, I think it's worth getting back into some of the story stuff because I feel like the way that they leave things off at the end of Spider-Man 1 leaves some room for them to seriously talk about the NYPD in a realistic light because basically through a very silly convenient contrivance uh miles also gets bitten by one of oscorp's spider-man creating spiders and uh he ends up at post-credits um 
he reveals to Peter, oh yeah, I kind of can do this now. And Peter's like, oh cool, I can do that too. So they're already setting up a situation where if they do make it to, which they definitely will, um, Miles will be within the whole spider crew. And um, if they still treat the NYPD they do like they do here, it's going to feel very very bad yeah i'm i'm unhappy with them right now but like i i guess the other thing is like the 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 meanest part of me is like no of course peter parker loves the nypd he's a middle class white boy if you have a black spider-man being super psyched about the nypd you've lost your goddamn minds yeah. I I do like some of the stuff that they did, again, with uh, the medical condition stuff, because Vulture having cancer from his wings feels like a very Watchmen touch in an interesting way, because uh, he's, he's, he's set up in this story to be one of Spider-Man's first uh, villains that he tackled, and... Um, just the idea that he continued to improve things and kind of has a very human ailment because of his, um, because of the things that he tried to do is really interesting. And Otto's condition is also incredibly interesting. Like, mm-hmm. um, I forget the exact name for it, but, um, he's, fa- he's facing degeneration in a way where in a while he'll lose his motor functions and ability to speak. So he sees that he sees the arm project as his last chance to breach that barrier and heal himself. And at the point where you're at the final fight, he reveals that he knew that you were Peter all along. And um, he desperately pleads with you to help him in this regard. And he's, He's screaming with so much emotional pain when Peter just leaves. And with all that stuff in mind, it's incredibly gut-wrenching to watch this person basically be... Because he because he did all this, he's basically doomed himself to not having the treatment that he needs in order to prevent this degeneration from happening. Mm-hmm. And... It's a shame that they follow that immediately up with him looking angry and evil when he's placed in his cell in the... What's the name of the place again? Slate? Uh, the the or... Raft. Oh, yeah, The Raft. Yeah. Yeah, and... they're, they're really unsympathetic to the villains when they're being villains as well. Because, like, they, they do, like, they set up, like, the, oh, like, the Vulture has cancer uh, from his from his technology, right? But that's not a, like, they don't play that as a sympathetic beat. It's like, oh, that's why he's involved. It's cause, cause the doctors promised to cure his cancer. It's not like, oh, wow, that fucking sucks for you, Vulture. Or like, there's a plot point where they're like, where it's, it's one of Jameson's podcasts where he's like, hey, you may have noticed last night that the, the power on the raft kind of freaked out. That's cause they tried to hook up Electro to the power grid cause he generates power naturally. So why not have him power the, the, the fucking, uh, you know, prison and he didn't want to and what a lazy bum fuck that guy it's like yo that's really fuck that's that's prison labor that's yeah that's that's unpaid labor you tried to plug him in to the wall fuck what the fuck (laughs) yeah it's 
And they could have used that to talk about how the modern day prison system is a just a different form of slavery in some ways, but Yeah, just have Rhino out there building sandbags for the hurricane. Yeah, they they don't get into any of that at all. So it's just one of those things where Jameson will say some stuff and he doesn't really go uncontested. It's just supposed to be the situation of, oh, clearly he sounds ridiculous, but then they also give him moments of being right every once in a while. So it's, it's a weird, it's a weird needle to thread and they don't really thread it. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. How did you feel about the way that they handled it, May? Um, I don't know. I feel like I liked that. Hmm. I feel like Spider-Man, the Spider-Man that I liked, I'm not, I'm not going to say like Spider-Man has always been X, right? It's a long running comic book series. It's been a lot of fucking things. At one point, the devil sold Peter Parker something so that he could steal him and Mary Jane's love away. That's a real plot thread. He was so envious of their love that he made a deal with the devil. And that's like, that's the dumbest grimdark shit I've ever heard. It's actually the dumbest thing. Um, but to me, Spider-Man has always been kind of like, you know, it, there have been some, some grounded, more serious things, but for the most part, it's been more like lighthearted than the rest of comics. And like, I feel like they were kind of skating an edge with having a suicide bomber at town hall midway through the game. Um, I guess a little earlier than midway. Um, and then having it end with like, and Aunt May dies of this awful disease. And, and just like, I don't, it's not that I necessarily think the individual beats are bad. It's that the overall picture of like this starting to lean into grim, dark Spider-Man is just not what I want. Yeah. And I feel like that scene was pretty well done. Like, um, even if the whole setup of, oh, you can, we can either save this and save everyone or use it all at once and save May, um, is really hokey and just a dramatized version of the whole two people are on tracks. Which one do you save? <laughs> and, uh, but it's, it's a pretty effective scene to see him almost jam it into Aunt May's, um, medicine bag and just drop to the floor crying mm-hmm. like they handle all, all that stuff they handle that scene pretty well even though it's kind of funny to immediately after immediately after Ade was also like yeah I knew it was you to her also going yeah I knew it was you yeah it's it's a little a little silly having those two beats back to back um yeah though why did Peter not pick up on the fact that Otto knew? Like, Otto, and it, there's the scene earlier on in the game, the reason that you have the nicer spider clothes in the first place is you're stitching them up at, while at work, and Otto notices them, and he's like, oh yeah, I should have known it was you all along. You're his tailor, right? And the note that he sends you is like, just make sure Spider-Man is careful with this stuff. It's clearly cutesy sort of, oh, I know what's going on, wink, wink. But Peter never fucking picked up on that. I mean, <laughs> he was Peter. Peter is his history is like having fifty different people get interested in him because he's like a super smart, sweet, athletic nerd, 
and then fucking it up because he's a clueless idiot. I totally believe that he did not read any of the subtext in that email. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose so. Uh, just, oh, it's that's frustrating. And that that scene is also kind of cool because they do that thing they do in Spider-Man movies where half his mask is destroyed, so you get to see him emoting from under the spider mask. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. This game's kind of a mess, even though it's a very... It's a very fun mess, but it's still a mess. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I think that, that seems like we're, we're drawn to a close on, on Marvel's Spider-Man, copyright Insomnia Games and Sony 2018, all rights reserved. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, Jen and I are both from Scanline Media. If you want to know more about Scanline Media, um, we are at scanlinemedia.com and we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. We have on there, uh, Oops All Anime, which is a, uh, patron only podcast where we talk about anime. We talk about all sorts of anime. We have various guests on. It's a great time. You should check it out. Have some exciting announcements for that soon, I hope. Um, and as far as me personally, I'm at six Detmar on Twitter. That's S I X D E T T M A R. I'm at J B U three on Twitter. And um, tune in next week when we do Shadow the Tomb Raider. No, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I knew you'd react that way. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> God, there's only there's only so much like triple A political cluelessness I can take. <laughs> yeah, and the year's not even over. We still have uh, Black Ops Four and Battlefield Five, and I'm sure all of them are going to be super nuanced with their battle royale games. What do you, and... what do you mean? Battlefield Five's killing it. Hire more female murderers. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh... Yeah, hopefully we'll be up, we'll be back here soon with more individual games we can talk about that are that have more interesting or more nuanced ideas when it comes to themes. Yeah, these one-off game podcasts are fun and and we should do more of them. Totally. But until such a time, peace out. Later. You're listening to a Scanline Media Network podcast. Check out our other podcasts, like Bottle Crow Reborn. So here's the thing, Nick. Nobody cares. <laughs> no. It's not about that. Uh, you actually convinced me. Shit. The Garnet Wager. Uh, and immediately we get Yunji being like, so hang on. Why does everyone call Jinho Kong? And Jinho, like, really circuitously explains because they're making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it means th- it means bean, but it's all, like, small person, and, like, I'm... Neutral game. So, if you're averse to frame data, you can still play the game, and it'll just sometimes take longer to figure some stuff out. Oops, all anime guide in. I've known some podcasters with taste, and they're all cowards. <laughs> Let's talk about today's menu oh my God. for the Emia family. Operation Serial. 
Episode four yep. was a bit more understandable, but also I continue to sour on these kids. I think they're dicks. <laughs> okay, that's fair. And our patron-only podcast, Oops All Anime. And he has the blessed privilege of getting an invite. He shreds it in front of her, looks her in the eye, uh, like touches Wipes her face. Wipes a tear off of her eye. <laughs> Wipes a tear off her eye and goes, I'll kill you. Visit Scanline Media at scanlinemedia.com and our Patreon at patreon.com slash scanlinemedia.